My name is Raylia Lewis, and welcome back to Everything is Everything. On this episode, I really want to use this platform to talk about the issues that I face as a black woman and to really stress the importance of protecting black women. And I'm also going to use this platform to unpack how black women aren't protected in society. So put your seatbelt on and let's go for a ride. Okay, so in a previous podcast, I briefly talked about how black women are often unprotected and disregarded in society. And let's remove the often because they are, we are unprotected and disregarded in society. As a black woman, I've always been drawn to feminism, but hear me out. I completely understand why most woke black women, and I said woke, woke, like awake, like who understand where they come from, who really understand what's going on in the world. So I understand why most black women disassociate themselves with that term, feminism. Historically, feminism, the movement, only included white women, even though black women were doing the work as well. Pioneers such as Sojourner Truth and Ida B. Wells played a huge role and feminism, but the movement didn't include black women. White women simply weren't fighting for black women. They weren't fighting for all women. Things appear to be a lot different today. I mean, if you're unaware or I guess a non-black woman, because as a black woman, I've had to deal with racism and sexism in every part of my life. In regards to dating, for example, I only date black men. And I learned early on that the closer a black woman is to a Eurocentric beauty standards, the more desirable she is. Now, I can't speak for all black men. I will never do that. But the majority subscribes to the concept whether they realize it or not. Now, I'll be fair and I will say that men did not introduce me to colorism or even shame amongst natural black hair society did the media in the 90s only showed white woman and light skin or biracial woman with straight hair and hair weaves so as a child i remember being fascinated with straight hair i begged my mom for weave and relaxers very early on in my childhood and all of my hair goals were goals that weren't feasible for my actual hair texture Because of that, I grew up seeing my hair as an inconvenience. And I basically became very self-conscious about my natural hair. When I was about 15 or 16, I was scouted in a copy place with my mother by a local talent scout slash agent. She had a small agency and I was so excited Because as long as I can remember, I have always wanted to model. So you couldn't tell me nothing. She was the first person to really tell me, like, 
I believe in you, you're a model. And she really took me under her wing. There was a ton of us, a ton of young aspiring models who would just go to her house. We would practice with her every Thursday. We would spend nights over her house. It became like a home away from home. And I really spent a lot of time with her. And she was like old school. She was really big on like hair weave, straight hair, makeup. And she started to kind of like push her standards onto me. So when I was about 16, I had booked a probably a hair show or a video shoot with her. I can't really remember which one it was because we did a lot of things together. And she wanted to do my hair because she did not like my hair. So she decided to go to like a local pharmacy and buy a relaxer. The relaxer was something I had never heard of, the specific brand, because I was used to using like olive oil and just for me. And she pulled out Perfective. I had never heard of Perfective, but she was like, girl, this is going to get your hair bone straight. So when she began applying the relaxer to my hair, she complained the entire time about my hair texture. I remember her fighting through my hair with a fine tooth comb, telling me how nappy my hair was, how difficult my hair was, how much of an inconvenience my hair was, that I started to feel bad that she had to do my hair. I felt like, damn, I should have helped out a little bit and straightened it a little bit before I got here. You know, like I felt like an inconvenience and I started to feel a lot of shame around my natural hair. So she got my hair so straight, straighter than I could have ever gotten my hair, that I could feel my actual head shape when I touched my head of hair. Like my hair was bone straight and I was in love. I was obsessed. I was hooked. After that, you couldn't catch me going nowhere without my hair pressed, flat ironed, and laid. I was solely dependent on everything outside of myself to feel beautiful. I needed my hair weave. I needed my weave ponytail. I needed my braids. I needed everything but my natural hair. And it got so bad that I remember being, what, 16, 17, and refusing to leave my house because... The girl who I hired to do my hair, you know, hood stylists come on their own time, <laughs> would be like three days late. And I would just be home with my weave crying. Like, I'm not leaving the house until I get my hair done. Like, my hair not being done was a mood killer for me. It was like the end of the world. Like, if my hair wasn't done, my plans were ruined. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't enjoy my day, my life, my summer, nothing. That's how sick and dependent I was on fucking hair weave. And it's really ridiculous. And I'm not saying this to solely blame her because we have all been conditioned in some way or another. But that experience really set the tone for the way that I started to see my natural hair texture. So with so much of my identity nestled deeply in damaging my hair to fit into society... I didn't even know that my hair could curl, y'all. I didn't know that I had curls. And I didn't even realize that he actually damaged my beautiful curls. I saw using heat as training my hair to be more manageable. In the hood, we called it like heat training or training your hair. It's really heat damage. But we have a way of like spending some shit in the hood and making it seem like what's really hurting us is really good for us. So I didn't even know that 
damaging my hair was a bad thing. I just wanted my hair to be straight, okay? I spent two decades of my life running from who I truly was. And when I went to Africa, I had some kind of like spiritual awakening. Something happened. Something changed. Because Africa was the place that I decided to go natural. And this was during the natural hair care movement. It didn't come out of nowhere. I'll make that clear. But throughout social media, there was so much black women just learning to embrace their natural hair and posting tutorials and really just posting selfies and wearing their natural hair. And I thought it was beautiful and I was in the motherland and I wanted to try it. And I'll be honest, I was terrified. I was so scared. Like a part of me knew that it was a good decision and I also felt like it could help my modeling career But there was still that hood mentality that I had where I still wanted to be attractive. I still wanted black men to be attracted to me. And I was afraid that black women, sorry, black men (laughs) wouldn't find me attractive or that I wouldn't look beautiful without my weave or without straight hair. Because I was natural before. Like I used to wear wraps you know, pressing goals or not a pressing go, but I would get my hair straightened. I would go to the Dominicans and I would get my blowout and I would be cute. So wearing my natural hair wasn't a problem. It was wearing my natural hair texture. That was the problem for me. And I remember being anxious and afraid the night before I actually went outside with my natural hair. And guess what happened? (laughs) The moment I stepped outside my door, my neighbors started saying dumb shit. Neighbor A, I'll call him neighbor A. Hey, Ray, bad hair day, huh? That was his response to seeing me with my afro. He's Hispanic, by the way. Neighbor B, black woman. Hey, girl, you okay? I ain't never seen you come out with your hair like that. And it didn't stop there. Like, men would yell, Angela Davis! (laughs) At me and pump their fists in the air as I walked by them on the street. I remember my boyfriend telling me that his friend told him that I was really confident for wearing my afro and posting it on my Instagram account. Like, huh? She wears her hair all the time, but I guess because she's white, I have to be confident or it has to be something that she has to notice. Problematic. And even one of my friends told me that she wasn't sure about the whole natural hair look. And I was really confused by the responses because I didn't ask anybody to approve my natural hair or even be open to me wearing my natural hair. Because the reality of the situation is that I understand that a lot of black women are conditioned to thinking that something is wrong with their natural hair. So I knew that I would receive some resistance, but I didn't need the unnecessary comments. And like I said in an earlier podcast, people project. So if you aren't comfortable wearing your natural hair and someone 
doesn't have like the commercial or the acceptable hair texture like a 3A, 3C, you're not going to understand why they have the balls or the confidence, I'll say, to embrace their natural beauty because you can't even embrace your own natural beauty. And that's just that. Very early on, I noticed that I didn't receive as much attention from men on the street when I wore my afro. Men barely looked at me sometimes and the kind of men I started to attract was a lot different than what I was used to. If I was wearing a protective style such as individuals or straight backs with weave or even a slick back pony, which I still like to wear in between afro styles, more guys showed interest in me. When the fro came back, however, I was able to walk down the street without being barked at. And it might sound crazy, but it's true. And I'm sure there are many other naturalistas who can agree and will agree with this, especially the four textured girls. Because we all know that in our community, good hair is considered Corbin Blue from High School Musical, the big, springly, curly, silky tresses, or even like the Zendaya tresses. When your hair is more kinky than curly, it's considered nappy and ugly. And most people will tell you to comb your hair. People celebrate natural hair until it gets to like the four textured hair texture, like 4B, 4C. Then... That's when it needs to be done. And it's bullshit. If you look at how the world responded to even like Beyonce choosing to keep blue natural versus Kim Kardashian choosing to keep her daughter. What's her name? I can't even think of her daughter's name. Sorry, baby. Her daughter natural. And for me, with knowing all of this messaging that I was receiving over the years and the messaging that we still believe in as a whole, I was afraid and I was tired of it, but I was also looking for something different. And when I went natural, it was such a liberating feeling. I felt like I didn't need anything outside of me to make me feel beautiful. And that was really important for me. I was really young at the time in my early 20s. I'm a model, I lead with my aesthetic and I did not want to depend on makeup, on weave, on flat irons, on even getting my eyebrows arched or plastic surgery or any of those things to make me feel good about myself. I wanted to wake up and feel whole. I didn't want to have to put things on me to feel better. And that's just what I wanted. And that's not a diss to women who maybe need to go outside of who they are to feel good. That's just not what I wanted for myself. As a black model, I received a lot of resistance on set. Black hairstylists on set would often refer to me as a project that they didn't want to deal with. I've had that experience more than once. And even if they didn't articulate that, their energy and their actions showed that. 
And white hairstylists, <laughs> oh God, they would try to do the weirdest things to my hair because they just don't know how to do black hair. I mean, we are on professional sets and the professional hairstylists only know how to do white hairstyles or white hair. And not even that. When you book a job, there's always a reference or an inspiration. And the inspiration is always plastered all around the walls on set. And the reference is always a white woman with white hair. How can that be the reference when you have black models on set? Our hair cannot do those things, especially in its natural state. And as a natural black model, I'm not willing to allow you to torch my hair on set, to bend it and press it into these styles that just don't work for my natural hair because I actually love my natural hair texture now and I do everything to preserve my natural curl pattern and I'm not willing to let my curl pattern get destroyed or damaged to try to fit into this box that the industry wants to put all women into. It's really a problem for me. So for that reason, one day on set, the hairstylist started putting straight weave into my afro because she wanted to create more volume. And <laughs> I remember looking at her and looking at my reflection through the mirror and being at war with myself. Like, do I say something or do I just let it rock? Because I was afraid that I would be looked at as difficult or hard to work with or angry. And it took me a really long time to build up that muscle so that I could use my voice and be honest about not liking my hair on set. I remember being in Miami for swim week and they butchered my hair and I had to run to the bathroom and fix it. And like I said, navigating the world as a black woman is so tough because when we're not fighting for the right to wear our own hair, because like I said, as a model, I'm told to have a straight weave or wig for some clients who aren't fan of afros, which I hate because my hair isn't straight and shouldn't have to be straight to be considered classy or elegant or polished. I had to tell a black woman recently that afros and braids are classy and they are elegant too. So when I voice that, I'm fearful of the reaction because I also have to deal with the angry black woman stereotype when I stand up for myself and stay true to who I, who I, who I really am. Now I'm angry. Now I'm problematic. Now I'm hard to work with. So even amongst other women, I experience resistance when it comes to being my full self. For example... I don't subscribe to religion, which tells women that we should be modest and passive and nurturing and willing to be led. Society is built on patriarchy. Men and women share this barbaric concept that a woman's role is to compliment a man, cater to his needs, and be the strong force behind him that pushes him forward while he makes the decisions and leads the relationship. Get the fuck out of here. This is my life. My rules. I don't need a man to lead me. That concept 
is so sexist and people follow it because religion and traditions says that this is the way things should be. Having a penis does not make you any more capable of navigating life easier or successfully. We all have brains that work, people. We all have the ability to think critically. We all have wants, skills, and the purpose that we were sent here for individually. But if you listen to society, a man's purpose almost always trumps his woman's or a woman's. For that reason, most women lose themselves in relationships and even in motherhood. We are expected to always sacrifice our wants and needs for children and husbands. And don't even get me started (laughs) about how all women don't even want husbands. Because I could talk about this one all damn day. If you think anything like me and happen to be a black woman... You'll be labeled as a man-hater, too independent, difficult, too strong, probably won't ever find a man. I mean, these are the things I've been told at least. Black men call us angry or too strong when we stand up for ourselves or hold them accountable. But the same black men will talk about how much they love Spanish women, because of their feistiness and quote-unquote stereotypical crazy antics that I do not subscribe to. I am not saying that they all act a specific way. I'm just making an observation or a point. Everything is accepted or acceptable until black women do it. Natural hair is beautiful on every other woman. Except black women with kinky hair. Darker skin is beautiful on every other woman. White women love to tan. Light-skinned women are accepted. But don't be too dark. Because society doesn't see dark-skinned black women as beautiful. And colorism is global. It's all over the world. It transcends race. But the point I'm trying to make is that when a woman is too dark, and even a man at times, that's a problem for the world. That's looked at as a burden or a bad thing, which is ridiculous, by the way. But everything connects back to white supremacy, conditioning, and a Eurocentric standards of beauty. I have heard black men say that they aren't attracted to dark-skinned women so much throughout my life that I have simply lost count on how many times I've actually heard this ridiculous statement. And they all try to mark it up as a preference, which is pure bullshit. The fact is that you believe that lighter skin is better. The oppressed has taken on the characteristics and the ideologies of the oppressor. I was invited to speak at a podcast or on a podcast about a year ago. 
and I wasn't briefed on the topic beforehand. So when I arrived to set, I found out that the topic was about why black women are struggling to find love. Of course, the moderator was a black man and he had a lot to say about what was wrong with black women. He said that they already had the guard dog at the house. They already got the gun in the purse. They make their own money. So basically, they don't need a man because they already do and have all the protection and they can already provide for themselves. Y'all hear this shit? This some weak ass shit, right? So imagine how I felt sitting there hearing this shit. So he's going on and on and on about black women and how we too strong and that's why we don't have this. And one of the women there spoke up about how we have to be strong, how we go through our own hurdles and our own pitfalls throughout life. And when a black man chooses to leave us, we have to continue to work, to provide and to protect. We can't wait for a man to create a safe haven for us. We have to do that on our own. And we are all capable of doing that. So can we stop with this barbaric mentality that women are fucking helpless or victims? Because that's not the case, okay? But what bothered me the most about this experience was that he interviewed a white woman the night before and he brought her recording to set. And he played it for us. And she basically talked about why the Beckys with the good hair, these are her words, are taking our men. She felt like black men are marrying white women because they are more moldable, they are more loving, they are more nurturing, they cater more, and they really let a man be a man. Y'all hear this shit? I'm writing a great book about this, so I'm not going to go too ham nation. But I was so upset that I couldn't even stay for the podcast because I knew that my energy, my words would not resonate and that it would only add fuel to the fire. And I just felt like that environment was not pro-black woman. It was not a place where we were looked at or respected or held to a certain regard because when a black man allows a white woman to feel that comfortable to disrespect a black woman to talk down on a black woman and when did her experience with the black man like in her speak or represent all black men so her perspective and his perspective and even him creating a fucking podcast to tear down black woman was so highly problematic to me. And that just goes to the point that black women are really unprotected and we can't even look to black men to do that because they are allowing non-black women to feel comfortable shitting on us. And they also hold non-black women to a higher standard, especially physically. For example, I have heard a lot of black men say that they think that mixed women and Hispanic women are more attractive than black women. I've heard that. So even though there are black men that will not agree with that statement, you cannot take away from my experience. You cannot tell me that the world has not treated me that way. You cannot tell me that I have not heard black men say that because you do not believe that. And I think that's the problem. A lot of people try to dismiss the experiences that black women face with, oh, that's just personal or, 
oh, that's just what your surroundings are, or that's just that one person. And it's like, no, no, no. This is really a the world. Colorism is real. Racism is real. Sexism is real. So not only do black women have to deal with colorism and racism, we also have to deal with sexism. So we have many different forms of oppression. And another thing that grinds my gears is even when light-skinned black women try to minimize the impact that colorism has on dark-skinned black women because there is privilege in being light-skinned. And if you refuse to admit that, you are a part of the problem. Before I end this part of this segment, I really want to say that another problematic part of that whole podcast experience was that we focused on or that he focused on the lack of love and made it a black woman's problem as if everyone doesn't struggle in the love department. Stop only attributing negative stereotypes to black women. A lot of black men will go ham about racism, will advocate, will fight and stand up for it because it includes them. But then when it comes to our experiences, um, the things that we face as black women, including sexism, they are dismissing our experiences and they are not standing at the front line and helping us fight through issues that affect us as well. And I think that's where the hypocrisy and the ignorance and the selfishness comes in for me, comes into play. And until we truly understand the issues black women face and acknowledge them, nothing will change. There has been a ton of posts circulating on social media recently about protecting black women. Historically, black women have always been on the front line with black men, and currently we still are. But when it's time for black men to stand with us, they normally don't. So it's nice to see the posts, but do y'all really understand what this means? Do y'all realize the core issues and the byproducts of the core issue? Protecting black women means dismantling patriarchy in our community. No, black men did not create it because that's your favorite excuse. But all men benefit from it and subscribe to it in one way or another. Black men, our purpose does not involve changing you, taking care of you, and making life easier for you. Life is hard for us too. We are not rehabilitation centers. Stop expecting our love stories to only include tragedy and suffering. Next, please stop expecting us to be your peace. I hate that mentality. A woman should be my peace. How? I did not come here to save you. I do not have to carry your bags. My load is already heavy. I'm carrying my own shit. And stop telling me to be your peace when you fuck up and you want me to forgive you for it and not hold you accountable for it and tell you what you did to me. Because there's a whole lot of manipulation happening with these statements like, be his peace. The world is already at him. No, if he fucking up, I'm going to hold him accountable and I'm going to tell him he fucking up. I'm not going to be docile. I'm not going to be meek. I'm not going to be quiet. 
I'm going to tell you how I feel, tell you what I don't like, tell you how it's affecting me, and tell you what I I need moving forward. And if that's a problem for you, then I'm not for you because my voice matters. My feelings matters. My wants and likes matters. And I'm allowed to set boundaries around things I don't like. And I'm allowed to love people and also tell them how I want to be loved. Next, until you acknowledge that your preferences surrounding beauty, if you don't find dark-skinned women attractive, is due to white supremacy, you'll never wake up to the truth. If you only desire and protect white woman, non-black woman, biracial woman, light-skinned woman, you are a part of the problem. That is literally what society was built up upon. Like, what are you missing here? And I'll end with this. Kill the angry black woman narrative slash stereotype now. For one, all humans feel anger. We all feel all emotions regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity. We're all human. And to be honest, black women have every right to be angry. But my passion, a black woman's passion, and our ability to take up space to speak up for ourselves isn't anger. It's actually necessary. Like, do you see the world? And we matter. Our ideas matter. Our voices matter. The other day, Kanye West held a rally and someone recorded the way he dealt with two constituents who interrupted his speech. The white woman was invited on stage with him. He shook her hand, told her she was courageous for speaking up, was very kind to this woman who interrupted him. But when the black woman interrupted him, he yelled at her called their names, and stormed off stage. That's an accurate representation of how black women are treated in society, in every field and in every way. So I want to end with this question. Of course, I won't get the answer, but I just want you guys to think about it because I know there will be people who don't agree with anything that I'm saying I don't really care. I know what I'm talking about. But opinions are like assholes. We all have them. And they say that everyone is entitled to feel the way they want to feel. I don't agree with that either. Because I feel like if your opinion involves oppressing other people, dismissing them, silencing them, that's no longer an opinion. Okay? That's a problem. But anywho... My question is, are you willing to acknowledge the way you view black women who speak up for themselves versus other non-black women? Because I really want you guys to be aware of how you feel when you hear a black woman speak up for herself versus, let's say, a white woman or a biracial woman. Does your body feel differently when you hear me speak versus your white neighbor we can say the same thing but if you react differently to us saying the same thing you my friend are part of the problem (laughs) 
So now it is time for my segment, IG Meme of the Week. My meme this week is arrest the police officers who killed Breonna Teller. Their names are Miles Cosgrove, Brett Hankinson, and Jonathan Mattingly. So now it is time for my segment, What Am I Watching Right Now? So, I was talking to my brother the other day, and he told me to watch this movie called Peppermint. I don't watch a lot of television, but because I have this segment, it pushes me to watch television more because I want to have something to talk to you guys about. Now, I'm normally like, a chick flick kind of girl. I love like the notebook. And I also love like 90s movies and like comedies. I'm not really a huge action movie kind of person. But he told me about the movie and I was like, I'm gonna check it out. Because whenever a woman is being a badass in the movie, I wanna watch it. So Peppermint was released in 2018. Starring Jennifer Garner. She was a vigilante. And this movie was fucking amazing. If you have not watched this movie, I strongly urge you to watch this movie. I do not want to give you the entire movie. But in a nutshell, her family gets murdered. And she basically does everything she needs to do. To get revenge. And she did her thing. I watched every second of the movie. The movie was so good that if I had to get up to like get snacks, I paused it so that I didn't miss anything. It was believable. Her acting was amazing. For some reason, I don't really remember watching a lot of films with Jennifer Gardner. Gardner? Gardner. No D in that. So I didn't expect her to be such a badass. She killed this role. Like, she's so pretty and she comes off so mild and nice. But this movie will make you look at her in a whole different light. So, if you haven't checked out Peppermint, you gotta watch it. It's really that good. So, I want to thank you guys again for listening to Everything is Everything every week what's this this is my 18th episode wow this was something that was very personal to me i was thinking about doing this but just procrastinating and when the quarantine happened i decided to do it and i ne- i didn't necessarily do it for views or the the listens i more so did it to just get my views out there, to sharpen up my speaking skills, and to just grow as a creative. But, of course, you still want people to listen, right? (laughs) So, for that reason, there are a few of you who hit me up, and you guys may screenshot me and say, oh my god, I love the episode, or this is where I spend my Mondays. And sometimes I get these messages before I even promote this show. 
So you guys forced me to be creative. You forced me to be consistent because even if it may be one person that listens every Monday at 7.30 a.m., you don't have to be here with me. I appreciate you. I thank you. And I hope to see you guys back here next week on Everything is Everything. Bye-bye.